faith can do. You know, have you ever asked yourself, what does it take to please God? You know, some people think the way that you please God is through a ritual or uh, maybe a chant, you know, certain prayers over and over. Or maybe, you know, you light some incense or maybe you light a candle. And, you, you know, you do some ritualistic things to please God. But, you know, that's not what the Bible says. Some people think the way you please God is, well, through rules and regulations. You know, you make the list of things you're supposed to do and all the things you're not supposed to do. And if you do all the things on the do list and you don't do all the don't do all the own things on the don't list, okay, God's going to look at you and go, hey, you're okay. It's not in the Bible. Some people think that the way you please God is, well, through religion. That if you observe certain holy days or go to a bunch of Bible studies or maybe you go to communion and you're a religious enough person, you know, that God's going to say to you, well, you're on my A-list. The Bible doesn't say that. See, don't miss this. If you're new here, I give a few don't miss this. That's in case if you fell asleep while I was talking to you to remember one of these. But don't miss this. Bible says God isn't interested in rituals or rules or regulations or religion. He's interested in a relationship with you. And maybe you're sitting there going, but why a relationship? Because here it comes boils down to this. He wants you to trust him. The Bible says that it's impossible. It's impossible to please God unless you have one thing. Hebrews 11:6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that seek him. So I want to start this whole series for the next couple of weeks and go, what is faith anyways? I mean, really, what the heck is it? You know, in a way, it's like a multifaceted diamond. You know, there's, there's so many different aspects of it. So this morning, I, I, I want to take you on a short journey. I want to focus on six different aspects of faith. How to live that kind of life that, well, you know, pleases God and obviously benefits you in a tremendous way. Here's the first one. Faith is first believing when I don't see it. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now faith is the insurance of things hoped for. It's a conviction of things not seen. In other words, you know, be certain of. You know, you got to be certain of it. Faith is visualizing the future in the present. It's seeing it in advance, being certain of what we yet don't see. You know, as human beings, we often, you know, say things like, I believe it when I see it. And God says, uh, no, you got it all wrong. You got it backwards. God says some things you have to believe. Don't miss this. I don't have that as a don't miss this. But some things you have to believe in order to see it. See, whether you're an architect, you know, planning a building, or uh, whether you're an artist, you know, you're creating a sculpture, or whether you're an Olympic athlete, that you're trying to break some world record, you have to believe it, don't you, before you see it. All those things require faith. 
You have to believe it's possible in advance long before it's ever possible. That's why the Bible says faith is believing when I don't see it. And then it says faith is obeying when I don't understand it. I mean, look at this guy named Abraham. Let me just read a little bit here from Hebrews 11.8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place where he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing <laughs> where he was going. Now, here's Abraham. He's 75 years old, friends. I heard so many people going, oh, I'm too old to do this. You know, uh, Moses was 80 when God called him. Look at this is Abraham. He's 75 years old. He's just about ready to, you know, keep living on to Social Security, you know, and I'm going to kick back and retire. And God says, oh, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't want you to hang it up and retire. You're getting ready to go on the adventure of your life at 75 years old. You're getting ready for social insecurity, <laughs> not security. And really, God basically says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take you. And he says this to all of us in all different facets. I'm going to take you. And, I'm gonna, but, and he tells Abraham, I'm going to turn you into a father, a father of a brand new nation. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure Abraham had his doubts. I'm sure he had all kinds of questions. I'm sure he says, uh, okay, what's going on here? God said, where am, I, you know, where am I going, God? Where am I going? And God says, uh, well, you never heard of the place. I'm telling you, you've got to read Scripture. This is what it says. Abraham said, well, how long is it going to take me to get there? And God said, don't worry about it. And Abraham, well, how am I going to know when I'm there? <laughs> and God says, I'll tell you. <laughs> okay, would you do that? Huh? Seriously. Would you do that? But because Abraham obeyed when he didn't understand, he became the father of a nation called Israel. Generation after generation had been blessed because he obeyed God when it made no sense at all. Friends, can I tell you, if you've been walking with God for a while, you know this next statement, but you know faith always involves risk, always. Some people want to guarantee a success before they obey God. You know, they read something in the Bible, and the Holy Spirit begins to lead them to do something, and then they say, well, okay, God, once you guarantee it's going to work out, then I'll do it. You ever been there? You know what God says to us? He goes, that doesn't require any faith. <laughs> I want you to believe when you don't see I want you to obey when you don't understand it. You know, in the New Testament, there are 1,050 commands of God. He says, do this and this and your life, it's going to be blessed. Many times when God tells you to do something, can I tell you, this one's always made me a little nervous when I first came to go, it's a test. And I, a test? I mean, why would God test me? And why would God test you? See, it's a test of who am I going to believe? Am I going to believe God? Or am I going to believe what my gut's telling me? Am I going to do what God tells me is the right thing to do? Or am I going to do what I think's the right thing to do? Do you remember when you were a kid 
and your parents would tell you to do something that made no sense at all as a kid. And you thought, what do my parents know? They're a bunch of old fogies. Remember that word fogies, that really dates a lot of us here, you know? They don't know anything, my parents don't know anything. Can I tell you, looking back, many times, you can see the wisdom of what they were telling you, right, as a kid. I'm sorry, I got my allergies are acting up. <sighs> but you, know, you can see the wisdom of what they were telling you to do. And, well, and, and you can see that some of the things they told you were really put there because they love you. They were telling you because of what is for your own benefit. Friends, there are a lot of times it doesn't make sense. When God says, when people hurt you, you're right, well, that's just one. When God says, when people hurt you and abuse you and they misuse you, forgive them. Does that sound like the right thing to do? Come on. Of course it doesn't. The natural thing to do is what? I'm going to get even. I'm going to retaliate. God says, look at, don't be resentful because resentment always hurts you more than somebody else. Just forgive them for your own sake so you can get on with your life. Why should I, God? Why should I forgive that person? Because God tells us in his word, if you hold on to that hurt and bitterness, the only person you're hurting is yourself. That's right. It's yourself. Here's the point. If you learn to do whatever God tells you to do, even when it seems absurd, then God can bless your life. You're going to start building a life of faith and a foundation for, for a wonderful and prosperous life. I can remember, I once asked Mary, that's my wife for those that don't know, I said, I said to her, can you think of a time <laughs> when you obeyed God when he told you to do something that made no sense? She, she answered instantly. She goes, oh yeah, when he told me to marry you. <laughs> Faith is believing when I don't see it. Faith is obeying when I don't understand it. Faith is generous even when I don't have it. Generosity and faith, they go together. God uses finances. Come on now, I mean, most of you have ever stepped out on this. God uses finances to test our faith. Have you ever had, ever had to decide between tithing and paying a bill. You know, I can remember when I first became a believer. And I mean, I was, you know, starting to walk this whole faith thing, and I was sitting with a friend who was helping me understand Scripture and God and everything, and he got to this whole giving thing, <laughs> okay? Tithing, giving to the church. I'm telling you, I, I, I literally said to him, I go, 10% is what he said at the time they were telling me, 10%. And I said, is that on the gross or the net? Because <laughs> I don't want to give too much. You see, God's really saying through things, moments like that, he's, hey, Paul, who are you going to trust? Me or you? You know, in Hebrews 11, many of you may know this, it's known as the Christian Hall of Fame. If you've never read it, I encourage you when you go home today to read it. The first guy who gets listed is a man named Abel. Abel gets listed not because he did something great. This is really important. He's the first one on the list, he, and, and, and they list him, and, and he didn't do anything great. He had no great accomplishment. Friends, he had no great achievement in his name. The only thing he did was he gave an offering. 
And God put him in the Hall of Fame. And you want to know why? It wasn't how much he gave. It wasn't what he gave. It was how he gave it. Man, that's worth repeating. It wasn't how much he gave. It wasn't what he gave. It was how he gave it. Hebrews 11:4. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than his brother, Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that was righteous. God testifying about his gifts, in other words, his generosity, through faith. It wasn't what he gave that pleased God. It was how he gave it. It wasn't the amount. It's the attitude. God, listen, God doesn't care about the amount. You usually won't hear that from a pulpit, but I'm telling you, God doesn't care about the amount. He worries about the attitude by which you are generous. It's the attitude of how you're generous. You need to understand there are two ways, just two ways to be generous. The first way is you give by reasoning. You know, you know, you, you, you look at your bank account and you see how much you got and you calculate and you figure out, well, I can probably give this much, okay? So I give a reasonable amount based on what I can afford. Well, that doesn't require any faith at all. An atheist can give for a reason like that. You don't have to believe in God for that. But the other way to give is by revelation. Revelation is when you pray and you ask the Holy Spirit, how generous do you want me to believe? How generous do you want me to be? You see, that's our thinking here at Church at the Red Door, if you didn't know that. We're, we're not into percentage numbers and all that. We're here to say, before you write a check, before you go online to give to any charity, whether it's a church or any charity, take a little bit of time and say, God, what do you want me? What is it you want me to do here? That's the kind of generosity, I'm telling you, it blesses God. God blesses that kind of stuff. And now here's number four. Faith is persisting when I don't feel like it. <laughs> That's the opposite of our culture, right? Our culture says, do everything based on your feelings. You know, if it feels good, do it. If it doesn't feel good, don't do it. <laughs> the problem with that is when we live by our emotions, we end up being manipulated by our moods. When we live by our emotions, we end up being manipulated by our moods. Look at, I don't always, I, I don't always feel like being nice to people. I mean, do you? I don't always feel I want to be nice to them. Sometimes I want to be selfish. Sometimes I want to be grumpy, grouchy. I want everybody to serve me, don't you? Sometimes I don't feel like serving my wife or thinking of her needs. Sometimes I just don't. But this may shock you, too. Sometimes, even as a pastor, I don't feel like reading the Bible. I don't. Sometimes I don't feel like praying. But I've learned an important life lesson about that, and I want to share it with you. I discovered that when I don't feel like reading God's word, that's usually when I need to pray and read the Bible the most. In fact, I discovered if the only time I pray, now listen, think about your life. If the only time I pray or the only time I read the Bible is when I feel like it, the devil's going to make sure I never feel like it. Oh man, let me say that again. 
if the only time I pray and the only time I read the Bible is when I feel like it, I'm telling you, the enemy's going to make sure that you, are, that you never feel like doing it. Never. You know, Pastor Jeff shared with us uh, a few weeks back from Ephesians. And I'm going to read this to you. Ephesians 6, 11. Put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle, this is so important, it's not against the flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And he goes on to say in Ephesians 6.18, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit, and with this in view, be on alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Or one of my favorite, and it's one I need to help keep working on and focus on, First Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Friends, praying is just taking those few moments sometimes out of a day just to stop and just thank God for who he is and what he's done for you in your life. It's just taking a few minutes when you walk outside and you see some beautiful flowers and just, that's a prayer you're talking to him. God, this is beautiful. You're amazing. Faith is being persistent. Faith is refusing to give up. Faith is doing the right thing even when you're tired and when you are moody. Okay, so how do you develop persistence? How do you persist? How do you continue on? You all know the story of Moses. He led an entire nation to been in slavery for 400 years across the wilderness, <laughs> through the Red Sea, out in the Sinai Peninsula, and they traveled around in circles, 40 years, waiting for God to get the people ready to go into the promised lands. How? Do you be that persistent? The Bible says, Hebrews eleven twenty seven, by faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing, as seeing him who is unseen. Or like the New King James Version said, he held to his purpose like a man who could see the invisible. You know, how would he follow God to do all these things? He believed like he could see the invisible. Don't miss this. So how do you be persistent? The key is to keep your eye on, the key is to keep your eye on God. That's how you don't, you don't miss it. See how you can be persistent. The key is to keep your eye on God. You keep your eyes not on the scene. I know that you keep your eyes not on the scene, but the unseen. That's what Moses did. When you keep your eyes on God, it keeps you persistent. If you keep looking at your situation in the physical, not realizing there's a whole spiritual realm going on around you. Look at it. I know there's some of you here today. You're at a quitting point. You know? You feel like you're ready maybe to give up in your marriage. You know, I'm done. Or, you, or you're ready to give up on a friendship. You know, you've been nursing this thing, or they did something wrong to you, and hey, just forget it. I'm not, I'm not working on this any longer. Or you're ready to give up on school because, oh, it seems awful hard. Or you're ready to give up on a career or a dream or a hope of ever, maybe some of you hope of ever getting married. Some of you feel like, right, your health situation is hopeless. 
I'm never going to get any better. Some of you think your finances are hopeless. I'm never going to get out of this debt. You just feel like giving up. God brought you here this morning. I want you, God brought you here this morning so he could say this to you. Hang in there. Don't give up. Let me say it again. Hang in there. Whatever you're dealing with, don't give up. Keep believing when you don't see it. Obey when you don't understand it. Be generous when you don't have it. Keep persisting when you don't feel like it. Keep your eyes on God. If you look at your problem, you're going to be overwhelmed. If you look at the world, you're going to be distressed. If you look within yourself, you'll be a little depressed. If you look at God, you'll be at rest. It's all what you have your eyes on. And there's two other things that you need to know about faith. Faith, this is one that, you know, really grabbed me. Faith is thanking God before I receive it. What? Thanking God before I receive what I've been praying for? A good example of this is in uh, Hebrews. Hebrews 11.30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they'd been encircled for seven days. The people of God, <laughs> you know, you're going to sit there and think, you know, they crossed the Red Sea, they've been, you know, been out in the desert for 40 years. Most of them died off. It's the new younger generation. They cross over, and God goes, okay, I want you to keep circling this place. <laughs> okay, so they march around the city walls for seven days. First in silence, then later thanking God in praise. The whole time they were thanking God in advance that he had already del delivered the city into their hands. On the seventh day, after thanking God in advance, in faith, you know the story, the walls came tumbling down. You see, friends, faith is not believing that God can do something. Here, this is really, this, I should have made this a don't miss this. <laughs> faith is not believing God can do something because God can do, whether, God can do it whether you believe it or not. He can do it, any, he, it, it doesn't matter if you don't believe it. He can do it anyways. His ability is not dependent on you thinking he can do it. Faith is not believing God will do something because that's hope. Let me say it again. Faith is not believing God will do something. That's hope. You hope he will. Boy, don't miss this. Faith is believing God is doing something right now, even though I don't see it. Right now, even though I don't see it. That he's working behind the scenes. That the answer is already on its way. That he's moving the pieces into place as we speak. Right now in your life, whatever you're praying about, health situation, kids, grandkids, whatever situations you got, you keep praying, you keep praying, you know, a marriage to be healed and, you know, the kids to come to Christ or a health situation. You know what? God's moving stuff. It's thanking God in advance. I don't know, does that make sense? Mark's, uh, in Mark 11, Jesus said, Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you've already received them. That's past tense. Believe that you've received them, and they will be granted to you. Present tense. Boy, it's good stuff. If I were to say to you, hey, come on up after the service. 
I got a gift for you. Yeah, yeah, so I, 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 you know, I got a gift for you. And I give you a check for $5,000. Would you wait till after you cashed it to thank me? Or would you thank me the moment I gave you the check? You'd thank me right away. You haven't cashed it yet. The money's not in your hands literally yet, but you'd thank me in advance because you know you can count on it. This is important. My checks are good and so is God. God is good in his ways. God is good in his promises. God is good. You can cash his check. It's thanking God in advance. So let me ask you a question. If you wait until after a prayer has been answered to thank God for it, so you've been praying for a certain situation, and then you say thank you to him, well, can, you know what? Is that faith? It's gratitude. Gratitude is saying thank you, God, for what you did. Faith is thanking God in advance of what he did. You follow me? You know, gratitude is saying, thank you, God, for what you did. Faith is thanking God in advance. I'm really looking forward to it, God. I'm saying faith is thanking God in advance, believing the answers have already happened just as you're waiting to see them. That means, let me give you a, a, a different example. That means if God tells you, I want you to go out after the big whale, Moby Dick, and I want you to take a rowboat, and that's how I want you to go out and capture the biggest whale around to catch Moby Dick. If God tells you to do that, you know what you do? You take along a few jars of tartar sauce, okay? Because you're going to have a fish fry. God comes through on his promises. Number six, faith is trusting God even when I don't get the answer I expected or wanted. It's a tough one. You know, some people try to make God like a vending machine. That God will automatically give you anything you want. It's not true. God is not a vending machine. Vending machines will give you things that you don't need. <laughs> vending machines will give you things that are bad for your health. <laughs> God will never give you something that's bad for you. God is not some kind of vending machine where you put in a prayer and you automatically get what you want. You know, some people today teach the idea that if you have enough faith, things will always go well. You'll never have any problems. You'll never be sick. Everything will be going great. It's not true. It's a bunch of baloney. It's not in the Bible. The Bible does not teach that. God's more interested in your character than he is in your comfort. Ooh, that should have been another, don't miss this. Man, they should pay me for this. This is really good stuff. <laughs> God's more interested in your character. You understand, he's more interested in you and what you're becoming than whether or not you're comfortable in your present situation. God's more interested in making you holy than he is making you happy. God knows holiness is the way to genuine happiness and a fulfilling and joyful life for you. The Bible says that faith is trusting even if I don't get what I'm praying for. Truth number one, 
God hears and answers every prayer. Every prayer you pray. Truth number two, he doesn't answer always the way you want him to. Sometimes you pray, God goes, sure, yes. Sometimes you pray, God goes, no. Sometimes you pray and God goes, eh, not yet. Sometimes God says, you know what, I got a better idea. It's different, but it's a better idea for you and for your life. Faith is trusting God even when I don't get the answer I expected or wanted. Living by faith does not exempt you from problems. Sometimes we pray for God to remove a problem, and instead he keeps the problem there. Have you ever done that? You're praying to go, God, remove this situation from my life. He isn't doing it. But he gives you, somehow you wind up with the strength to go through it. And you wind up, you know what happens? At least so far in my life, I ended up stronger. Think about this. If God took all the problems out of our way, right now, all the situations you're worried about right now, he takes them all out. It's all done. We'd be nothing but a bunch of spoiled brats. You know, it's like your kid. You spoil your kid. What do they become? A brat. God wants you to have character. He wants you to have strength. And he wants you to be mature in your faith in him. Anybody can trust God when things are going good, right? Anybody can give when they got extra money. Anybody can persist when they can see the finish line is only a few yards away. Anybody can believe when it's right there in front of them. Anybody. But real faith is built in the valleys of life. Sometimes it's trusting God. I just don't get it. But I just don't get it. Let me ask you a few questions. Don't answer out loud. Which of these aspects of faith do you need to work on? What's God poking you about? How much faith how much faith do you think you have? If you had to rate your faith on a scale of 1 to 10, where would you fall on the scale? You, know, you look at them and go, which one do I need to work on? Do you need to work on believing when you don't see it? Do you need to work on obeying when you don't understand it? Do you need to work on being generous or persisting when you don't feel like it? Or maybe you need to work on thanking God before you receive it. Where are you? Maybe you need to work on trusting if you don't get exactly what you're asking for. So you see, as we're getting ready to close here, how does God build your faith? I'm going to wrap up this morning with two things. God builds your faith up first through his word, through the Bible. The Bible says in Romans 10, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So the more you get into the Bible, the more you're going to grow in faith. If you don't ever read the Bible, you're never going to grow a whole lot. And the second way that God builds your faith is through trials. It's through trials and testings. Look at 1 Peter. It says, so that the proof of your faith being more precious, look at the proof of your faith, look how powerful faith is, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
These trials are only to test your faith, and your faith is far more precious to God than gold. Because it's going to bring you, it's going to bring you much praise and honor on the day when He returns, friends. God will use difficulties to test your faith. He just will. God will dem- God will use demands on your time. He's going to use to test you. God will use dollars, generosity to test your faith. He's going to use delays, delays to test your faith. You know, he never shows up until it's one minute before midnight, right? On most things. I know some of you are going through a tough time right now. And you're about to maybe give up. Anyone listening out there? I just want you to, I just want to say to you what I said early on in the message. Hang on. Don't give up. Faith in God will get you through. It's what faith can do. Let's watch this final worship song.